This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours of white knuckle radio uh, not a dry eye in the house brian as i look out the studio window sits slumped against the wall with an ice pack to his head but fair juice to me battle through all the glitches uh, this morning this morning on the bottom line recent research has shown that with the end of brexit transition agreement only 40 days away many businesses are awaiting the outcome of the talks between the eu and the uk to start their Brexit preparations in earnest. Well, if that might be you, then you should stay tuned to a guest we've got later in the show. We'll also be talking to a Carlo businesswoman about the COVID lockdown led to a big change in how she and her husband are developing their business. CF Pharma are an award-winning Kilkenny pharmaceutical company. We'll be hearing how they're working with the Kilkenny City Task Force as businesses prepare to reopen before Christmas. Fingers crossed on that. And we'll be looking back on a big week for two well-known Kilkenny business people honoured by the Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce Business Awards. But first, the Burnside Group of Companies is one of the biggest employers in this region with over a thousand employees across literally a family of companies. I'm delighted to be joined by the managing director of one of them, Lily Holmes, managing director of PB Machine Tech in Bagnallstown. Now, Lily, when I say, say family of companies, that's very much the case with uh, your group of companies. Tell us all about Burnside. Good morning, John. How are you? Very well. Um, yeah, good, good. Nice to talk to you again. Um, Burnside uh, is the, the name better known uh, for the hydraulic cylinder producers in this part of the world. So Burnside comes from the name Burn, of course. So Paddy Byrne, my father, and his three brothers formed the business back 46 years ago now. And um, at the moment, we have a, a very much a family of businesses. It's not a formal group structure, but we have a family of businesses. So there are several factories, um, some in, one in Tullow, Carlow, Bagnallstown, have your original one outside of Bagnallstown, for example, and we produce either hydraulic cylinders or, in one case or a couple of cases, uh, particular components for those cylinders. Yeah, so and Paddy, Paddy's yeah. a great man and the inspiration for, for the whole business. His book, which I had the pleasure of being at the launch a couple of years ago, From Coyle Hill to Pennsylvania, you're around the world now, really. It's not just Carlo. Yes, yeah, the, the the book that Paddy wrote really does um, give a, a sort of picture of how it went over the years. You know, as I said, it's about 46 years ago now, but it started from really humble beginnings near Tin Ryland in a little place called Kyle Hill, where the guys grew up. And uh, Burnside Autosale has a subsidiary now called Burnside America Inc. in Pennsylvania, where we manufacture there. And that's about five years old. So, yeah, it's it's, it's international. It is truly global now at this stage. Yeah, and I remember reading in the book, um, your dad, Paddy, um, and his brothers, they grew up at a very different time and a tough time, but we're in tough times now with COVID. How's that impacting on both your operations and your business? 
Yes, absolutely. They were a different form of tough times. They were real hardship, I suppose, really. And sometimes when you think of the hardship that was existing at that time, um, it, it, it gives perspective to where we are now with COVID, not not to minimise at all the, the, the terrible effects that COVID is having on everybody's life and also on the business world. But uh, in our business, we've been lucky in the sense that we've remained operational all the way through. Some of our customers did close for periods, but we didn't. And that's mainly because hydraulic cylinders, you know, being, as we say, muscles for machinery, they were they're a very important component in equipment that was uh, vital in in all of this time, such as forklifts getting, uh, let's say, healthcare products moved around warehouses and, and that type of thing. Mm. So we've managed to stay open, um, even though some of our customers are down, and our sales are certainly down in most sectors. Yeah, and and when you talk about customers, just give us a flavour of the type of businesses that you're working with around the world, Lily. Yeah, materials handling is is a big part of it. So that covers forklifts, uh, warehouse trucks, pallet trucks, that type of of equipment. Then um, mobile machinery, we always classify uh, it as anyway, which includes things like aerial work platforms, um, refuse trucks to to gather garbage, um, industrial and agricultural machinery. So as I say, many uses really. And some big brand names that people would be familiar with. That's right. Uh, names in the industry like Terex, uh, Volvo, JLG, uh, Snorkel, um, big names like that, That uh, JCB even, that are household names in the industry. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember um, hearing, I think it was your sister Caroline talking about uh, herself and Paddy driving along, and maybe you all do it, but kind of look at the machines as you look out from the autobahns in Germany and say the hydraulic pistons there were made in Bagnallstown or wherever. That's right, yeah. Yeah, um, Paddy mentioned that in his book, and I know you mentioned this as, as you were good enough to do the MC at the launch last year. Um, it's true, when we go abroad, and we, we can't now, obviously, but when we go abroad, uh, one of our, our favourite hobbies is looking around at machinery to see where we can spot our own cylinders. Yeah. And that'll go on for a long time, I think. Yeah, yeah. now you mentioned a 1,000 staff, um, and keeping a 1,000 staff, you can't, um, you can't work from home when you're manufacturing, so that must be a major challenge, keeping everybody safe in these difficult times. Times. Absolutely, and, and we were, were fairly quick off the mark to put in a lot of protocols. We, our, our number one um, priority at all times is to keep our staff safe. That has to be the, the most important thing because they've been wonderful throughout this whole period, as they've always been, but we put a lot of protocols in place. We have things like automatic temperature scanning, contactless fobs for their, for their swiping in and out. We even do things like weekly fogging, which is that deep cleaning that we do on top of the, the normal daily cleaning that we do with outsiders, social distancing. I could go on and on. We mm. even do our own internal contact tracing. So we, we put that at the top of our list, to yeah. be honest, John, because it's the single most important thing. Yeah, now our next guest is going to take us through the nuts and bolts of, of uh, Brexit, but Brexit must be a huge thing for the Burnside family of companies because, like, you're in Bagnallstown, you're talking about international uh, companies like JCB, so, you know, who I presume are based in, in the UK, uh, and, and then further afield. But to get to the European market, presumably, you use the UK as a land bridge. Is COVID, or sorry, is Brexit going to be a game changer? It's, it's certainly a challenge that we could all do without, but you know it's coming fast. As you said at the start, it's only 40 days away now, and it's challenging for us because we're we're in the export market. We export about 80 percent, and the UK is it's a significant market for us, both on the outward side and the inward side. We have some um, some fine comfort customers as companies and suppliers there. So yeah, it, it, it is a problem. We've been working very heavily on it though in the pa- in the background with um, logistics companies and internally. 
So we're doing some of our own internal training, for example, with uh, bodies on the outside like Skillnets and IT Carlo there to skill us up so that we can do custom clearance ourselves uh, should it turn out to be chaos, which it might well do in the early part of next year anyway. We also are working there with some shipping companies that, in fairness to them, are coming up with other routes. So you can go to the to the European market now and skip the UK by, uh, let's say, going into the, through Cherbourg, um, into Spain, into Zeebrugge, and that type of routing rather than using the land bridge. But we can't get by uh, or get away from using the land bridge either. And anyway, we have to ship to the UK. Yeah. So we become less competitive now in the UK, to be honest, because there will be tariffs due on anything coming in from the EU. Yeah, and presumably you have suppliers in the UK as well, so maybe not good news for them if if it's as chaotic as many people fear. That's right, and there is um, a move on to try to have alternative suppliers, and we have some contingency plans in place there, um, you know, to avoid having to buy from the UK if you can. Now, that's that's not our preferred course of action at all, uh, but we we have that in place with some all the same uh, because we will have to pay duty on the inward side then. So again, there are fears of delays and fears of extra cost. Now, to be fair, some Northern Ireland companies have been very proactive with some subcontractors in Northern Ireland and back as early as, I would say, early last year, some of them set up Irish companies mm. to avoid some of this. Yeah, now um, one of the things, uh, Lily, is you're employing a thousand uh, people, a thousand people plus in, in Carlow, presumably um, recruit is a huge uh, part of your job. What's what's it like? Because we hear a lot about, um, you know, uh, staff shortages and difficulty getting staff. What, what's your perspective as a very significant employer in this area? You're right. Um, strangely, even though the, the hospitality industry and the retail industry is suffering so badly now, and uh, many, many people have unfortunately lost their jobs, still in our industry, it's difficult and has always been difficult to to recruit. Um, I suppose it's because we're in a, a small area and we've soaked up a lot of the available skill as it is. So going forward, we'd really like to encourage an awareness of the kind of businesses we have here and engineering in general, so that in the stream coming up, let's say the streams coming through the schools and the colleges, that we'd like to see an interest in engineering and an interest in having good local, local sustainable careers that can actually be built locally. Mm. Um, so we have to look to the future, but it's certainly, you're right, it's difficult to recruit. Um, we've done things like develop our own internal training centre now here in PB in Bagnallstown. So COVID has helped us to push that forward a bit and get, get some results um, this year from it. But we really would like um, careers teachers and parents to consider the local opportunities that are here. You know, living and working in the southeast is now much more interesting and much more sustainable for people than what might have been thought to be the case. Absolutely, and and you're you're working innovatively with the community in Bagnallstown. I see. Tell me about the drive through initiative. Yes, yeah. Well, uh, several organisations there have been really supportive. I would say, including your own radio program, and including the chambers, the skill nets organisations, engineering the southeast, all of those, and IT Carlo as well. They've been very supportive to the business community and the retail community as well in the county and the two counties. I would think um, in recent times, and here in Bagnallstown, there's a small subgroup of the County Carlo Chamber set up, and Colin Ray is the chairperson there. It's very new. And uh, next weekend, uh, there's a, a drive to get it launched, really, and it's actually called a drive-through. It's a Christmas drive-through. It's to help to promote an interest in local 
uh, local business uh, support mm. for the Christmas period particularly but for the future too Yeah well Lily I'd love to chat to you there's loads more things this time last year of course you were representing Carlo in the EY um Entrepreneur of the Year, and what a great occasion! And and uh, Seamus O'Hara from O'Hara's uh, uh, Brewery uh, was this flying the flag for Carlo this year, and we hope to have him on. But that was a great honour. That was a great honour. Yeah, I was delighted to be able to represent the southeast and Carlo, and um, being adopted into that alumni has been really good. Um, I've followed in the footsteps of David Walsh and Rachel Doyle, who are longer-term members, and uh, delighted to have Seamus in there now, and congratulations to Seamus. It's a really good business he has. It's um, it's a great network. It's huge. There's over 500 companies in that EOI alumni now, over 23 years, granted. But it's a, it's a really big bank of knowledge and support there for SMEs, and um, EY as a company are really very approachable. One mightn't think that when you hear of a large company like that, that, they, that they're maybe not that interested in SMEs but it's absolutely the opposite they're very supportive Great well Lily pleasure talking to you Uh, thanks for joining us that's Lily Holmes Managing Director of PB Machine Tech in Bagnallstown The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business www.omf.ie you're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Now, my next guest was last on the programme in August 2019 and we were discussing Brexit, which at that time, looking back and it seemed like a bit of a blot or a dot on the horizon even, and there was doubts over whether indeed it was going to happen. It has happened already and we're currently about 40 days away from the end of the transition agreement, which basically has kept business as it used to be. But things are all going to change from January the 1st. I was uh, listening to some commentary recently which suggested that many businesses are in something of a state of denial and are waiting for deal or no deal before they even start looking at preparations. But I know uh, that my next guest, who is called Dennis Casey, who's from Casey Business Consulting, uh, has a different point of view. And indeed, deal or no deal, Dennis, um, big changes coming down the track for business. Yeah, absolutely, John. Uh, first of all, uh, good morning, everybody, and, and thanks, John, for inviting me on this morning. Uh, so, yes, y- yes, you're right. Uh, the reality is that whether there's a deal or whether there is no deal come the 1st of January, uh, there are significant changes coming for Irish businesses uh, in that we abs- we know with absolute certainty now that from the 1st of January, if you're moving goods across the customs border, across the across the Irish Sea to Great Britain or, or, or through Great Britain to mainland Europe, you must file customs documentation. So that's a significant change. Yeah, now let's get uh, down to brass tacks and actually discuss uh, what kind of change this means. You mentioned before we came on air to me a form that businesses will have to fill in, which has got 54 different sections. Most of them are pretty standard, but there are some pitfalls that people need to be aware of. Yes, yes, that's right. The the single administration document, the SAD document, as it's referred, is the custom form that you need to fill in. And you have 54 bits of information. And a lot of it's a lot of the information is easy. It's your company name, your address, your EORI number, which you may not have, but it's relatively easy to get. It's a five-minute job to get that. The but some bits of information, like the commodity codes for them for the products you're moving, can be quite difficult to get. So people need to put time now into making 
sure that they have their have identified their commodity codes for all the goods they're either going to import or export to the UK or even to ship through the UK from the first of January onwards. Because if you don't, if if you if you can't fill the forum in, if you can't fill all the boxes in on the forum, your goods aren't going to go anywhere. They're going to get held up at customs. And that's regardless of whether there's a deal or not. If you're sending that's, something yes. to the UK and Boris Johnson is saying it's all fantastic, it's an oven ready deal, you're still going to have to fill out this form. Absolutely. That's an absolute certainty. From the 1st of January, there is a need to file customs documentation if you're sending goods to customers in the UK, importing goods from a supplier in the UK, or if you're importing goods from mainland Europe or shipping goods to mainland Europe and the goods are shipping through the UK. Because if you think about it logically, when the truck driver, if you're exporting uh, and the truck driver uh, p- pulls up to the customs desk uh, as as the truck enters Great Britain. The the customs guy isn't going to take your word, the driver's word that don't worry about me. I'm I'm just driving through and I'm heading on to Germany. You they they need to they need documentation mm. uh, which has to be filed through the customs system to prove that their goods are not staying in the UK. But if you're a small or medium-sized business and say, for example, you do pottery and you sell your stuff online and somebody buys it in the UK, presumably you can just send it off or, or are there exemptions for smaller businesses? You, there are there are, uh, there are are simplified, I suppose, simplified customs documentation required for low-value items. And I suppose, and by and large, those kind of items are probably shipped with the likes of TNT and DHL. And, you know, it, it's, a li- it's a little bit easier there. Um, I'm not sure. I like. I'm not a customs expert at the end of the day, but I suspect even in those cases where the value of the product is very low, you don't even need to worry probably particularly about the commodity codes. But there's still there is still some documentation to be filled in. Mm. In that case, what I would say is talk to DHL, talk to uh, TNT, and they'll advise you and they'll send you the the form that you need to fill in. But there's still a basic form that has to be filled in. But and country thresh- of origin, Dennis. Uh, sorry, you were about to say about the threshold. Yeah, the, the thresholds are very low, though. Like so, for the vast majority of people, they're not going to get away with. Um, they, they, you know, they're not going to be able to avoid. They need to fill in the the, the side document with the fifty four boxes. So I would say get get ready yeah country of origin is another one that can be kind of tricky as well uh, you were saying to me yeah yeah that's right yeah the the country of origin so i would advise everybody to do a little bit of google country of origin in the context of 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 customs documentation because what country of origin is going to become hugely important so supposing that you are import supposing you buy goods from a uk supplier at the moment and there is a trade deal agreed with between the EU and the UK. And under that free trade agreement, the goods you buy from the UK would technically be eligible for no no import tariffs, no, no extra taxes. But if the UK company is sourcing those from outside of the UK and just distributing them onto you, then they're not eligible for free trade. So that's where the country of origin comes into play. The, there's, there is, and even if you were, uh, if, you, if, you, if you look at it the other way, Supposing you're an Irish manufacturer and you're using material sourced in the UK, and that's a big percentage of the content of the value of the, a big percentage of the selling price of the product, then your goods may may break the country of origin uh, eligibility criteria and may not be eligible 
for free trade under existing EU free trade agreements. More importantly, I suppose, is that the country of origin is one of the boxes you have to fill in on that customs document. So you need to find out the country of origin, in other words, where it's manufactured. Uh, so that you can fill in that information accurately on the customs form. So if you're sourcing stuff from the UK and that's that's originating somewhere else and there might be two or three people between you and the manufacturer of that equipment, it's, the, it's where it was manufactured originally is the information you need for that customs form. Mm. Finally, um, on that particular aspect, the value of goods is also a potential tricky area that you're required to declare. Yes, yes, it is. So it's not a matter of well, what's the selling price of the what's the goods? That's not the, that's not the value. That's not how the goods are valued from a customs point of view. You need to add in the 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 freight cost and the insurance cost up to the point of the customs check. In other words, up to the point where they're they're crossing a customs jurisdiction. So it's 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 not rocket science. It's not difficult, but it takes a little bit of working out at the same time. So people need to educate themselves as to how to do that correctly. I suppose the good news is there's lots of there's lots of help and there's lots of training available to help people figure that out, including some good online training courses provided by the likes of Interpri- Enterprise Ireland and Intertrade Ireland. Like I usually refer people to, I suggest that they Google a course called the Online Customs Insights course, which is an Enterprise Ireland course, which gives you a, a good overview of how of what's involved in moving goods across the customs border and the kind of tricks of the trade, ways to defer payments or to avoid paying tariffs in some situations. And then the other one is the Intertrade Ireland have, have, have two nice short videos, training videos, to teach you how to fill in the actual, you know, the, the difficult bits of the 54 uh, boxes that you have to fill in in your customs form yeah. and those videos one is 9 minutes and one is 13 minutes like it's, it's not a huge investment in time mm. and you'll be a lot more more informed afterwards and you'll know exactly what you need to do what yeah. actions you need to take now that uh, appropriately named sad form with the 54 boxes um, <laughs> yes. once you've filled it out um, that's only half the battle you have to file it and that's not as straightforward as might first appear tell us about filing this form yes yes I, and I, I think that's something that's not being being um, uh, publicised enough, uh, so to, to file a customs, to file a document, to file the single administration document with customs isn't a matter of logging into a website and filling in an online form, or of downloading a form and emailing it in. You need specialist software to communicate with the revenues customs system in Ireland, and. I suppose it's even more complicated than that. The software system that you you need to communicate with the Irish customs system is different than the software that you need to communicate with the UK one and is different than the one you need for mainland Europe. So you can imagine if you're moving goods from Ireland through the UK to, say, Germany, you need access to three different lots of software. So if you want to file customs documents from the 1st of January, you need to start looking now to see who in your supply chain might have access to the the the, the necessary software. So mm. that could be your supplier, it could be your customer, it could be a third party like a a customs uh, broker or alternatively, maybe if you're doing an offload of transactions, you should be talking to an IT company and install the software on your system. And I suppose that's the other complication. It's not it's not an off the shelf software. You don't go online and buy a disc and upload it and off you go. It's it, the, 
software has to be installed by an IT company who come and customize it for your system. Mm. So, and those IT guys have limited capacity as well. Yeah. So if you, if, if you try and approach them now and say, well, we'd, we'd love this day to be installed before the 1st of January, I'd say you're probably wasting your time. At the, you're, you're too late at this stage. So the trick is to, is to start engaging with your customers and your suppliers to see who's got access to that ability already. Like, one of the challenges here, I guess, is that an awful lot of the goods at the moment move between Ireland and the UK and vice versa. And indeed, into Europe, is moved by smallish Irish logistics companies or UK logistics companies who might have 10 or 15 vehicles, but they've never, they've probably never moved a good across a customs border in their life. So they don't have this software. Mm. They don't have the training to do it. Now, there's an opportunity for them. So if there's anybody who's in the haulage business listening in, like find out about, invest in this software. It's, it's not a huge investment. Like each of the software packages probably costs maybe 1,500 or 2,000 euros each. And then there's a charge per transaction. Hmm. This is this is a new revenue stream. Yeah, I'm 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 understanding very clearly uh, how all these trucks are going to get backed up in Dover and uh, elsewhere. Um, what in in thirty seconds, uh, Dennis, if you will, talk to me about inventory. Inventory, yeah, I suppose it, to buy yourself a bit of time, what you should do, be, there's going to be delays at border crossings and we don't know if that's going to be a day, a week, a month and we don't know how long that will last. So one of the best defences against that is to build up your inventory in advance of the 1st of first of January. And the sooner you do that, the better because everybody will be thinking the same way and the trucks will get full which mm. is exactly what's happened the previous time. There was no spare capacity on, on, on boats coming up to the previous deadline so if as, uh, if you have the working capital and the space to do it it would be very wise to increase your stock holding on the correct side of the customs border before the 1st of January The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Now, a recurring theme throughout COVID has been how businesses are changing and adapting and becoming aware of new ways of doing business and new opportunities. Joining me on the line to discuss how her business, which she runs with her husband, Robert, has changed and developed and hopefully grown, no pun intended, is Katrina Cullen from Cullen Nurseries. Good morning. Good morning, Katrina. You're based in Balasala outside Hackettstown. Tell us about your business. Good morning, John. Um, so here at Cullen Nurseries, we're growers and suppliers of a large range of native trees and hedging. And we sell directly to homeowners, farmers, equestrian centres, community groups and commercial businesses. The business was started over 25 years ago by my husband, Robert, and I came on board last year to help with the expansion of our business. Yeah, and tell us about that. You had a career, you were working in the in the food industry, I think, before that. What was it like starting to work with your husband? Yeah, I worked in the as a site quality manager uh, for 10 years. Um, to come on board working with Robert, I had always kind of done the books and helped him out with the accounts, but we came to a crossroads in that we had a decision to make. Either I stay in my job and the business stayed as it was, or I left my job and I helped him to grow, with the, to expand with the business. Um, obviously nervous when you're living and working with the same person it, it, it's sometimes challenging luckily enough Robert and I are both the glasses half full kind of people um, 
we knew that we both had two very different skill sets but that we could combine them to our benefit so Robert would always look after the technical aspect of the business like he has 25 years of experience of growing quality trees and then I had the experience of, of working in an office and dealing with the administration the paperwork and the finances so we've it's been good so far there have been tight points or, or cross words at times but luckily enough for both of the the mentality that we can leave it at the back door when we cross into our home life so that it's not affecting our home life yeah. there are times our kitchen table is the boardroom but I find that that's a great way to show our own children we have three sons to show our own children about business about the benefits of working with each other and working to each other's benefit yeah and now presumably like everyone else you, you had a busy household um, the three uh, boys going to school and so on and then back in March Covid hit turned the world upside down presumably the boys couldn't go to school anymore how did that impact your business well Covid has been challenging for all businesses but it showed us our weaknesses but at the same time lockdown gave us the chance to press pause and instead of working in the business to work on the business so we focused on what we could do and what we could do was get ourselves online and build a social media presence it had been something we'd always been intending to do but never had the time or the resources to put into that so we actually contacted our leo and we found such an immense amount of support from them like Pauline, Gabrielle, Kiernan were fantastic for us. So we applied for the trading online voucher and began the task of building our website. It went really well. We went live in July. The homeschooling, the homeschooling was fine for a while. And then the homeschooling kind of went outside in that we were teaching the boys nature and biodiversity and teaching them about the environment and being active and being physical and being outside learning hard work learn instead trying to instill a work work ethic in them that's not to say i was glad now when they went back to school in september but for themselves for the routine as well as well as much as anything else but the boys thankfully are very adaptive they have to be and um, both of us working in our own business bills have to be paid money has to be made so covid was good for us in a sense that it helped with our professional and our personal development but like all businesses, COVID has been challenging and it has forced us to think outside the box, to pivot, to meet the demand that's out there for our product. So during the summer, we also started selling potted hedging to the gardener who was at home, who was relishing the fact that they had all this time in the garden that had probably been neglected for years. And the garden it has become and rightly, rightly so, has become a cornerstone in a holistic approach to people's well-being. They're out gardening, they're physical, it's great for their mental health, their physical health. And thankfully, we've been in a position to adapt our business model and our offering to those customers. Yeah, now one of the big themes uh, that we're coming across week in, week out on this programme is the whole thing of supporting local. Have you found the local support um, positive? And if so, how did you access that support? I have to say the Shop Local campaign has been fantastic for our business. We probably didn't have a great reputation, not a great reputation, but a great repertoire in Carlo with businesses. We weren't we weren't publicising ourselves. We weren't shouting about our fantastic product and our great customer service. Um, when the Leo started to announce like Shop Local campaigns, we took part in the Be Local Online campaign where we had signage around Carlo. We are taking part in the KCLR campaign where we'll have an ad on the radio next week, which is fantastic for our business. We've built a massive customer base in County Carlo. 
Uh, it's been fantastic to have so many people support us. We recently had an article in The Independent and so many people in Carlo reached out to us and said, we didn't know you were there. We don't have a high visibility online at, at present because our website is so new. So that's something that we're working on as well. It's great to build a customer base and also to build a network of like-minded business people in County Carlo. So I took part in the business house initiative run by the leo and i met wonderful people all over county carlo i've taken part in other courses as well and you're meeting the same like-minded people who although in different sectors of business are have the same challenges and you love to celebrate their success as well and to offer advice and to accept advice from these people who have been trading for years and years it's been really brilliant for our business so finally, Katrina, you mentioned your website. If, if people are into kind of doing some stuff under hedges and, and Edward Hayden and uh, will be coming up after and he's got a really uh, uh, popular gardening slot, how can they find out about the stuff that you've got for sale? So you can find us on www.cullennurseries.ie. We're on social media and we're on Instagram and Facebook at Cullen Nurseries. Local at Hours. It's just ten and a half minutes away from ten o'clock. John Purcell with you on the bottom line. Now, I had hoped to talk to Pat Crotty, who's the chair of the Kilkenny City Task Force, about a fantastic initiative that uh, CF Pharma is doing in association with the Kilkenny City Centre Task Force. But unfortunately, the clock is against us. But just to give you uh, a bit of flavour, this great initiative, CF Pharma are a Kilkenny-based and wholly Irish-owned medical device company. And... uh, we were talking to them, I think, last year about their Kilkenny Business of the Year Award. But they've reacted uh, to the pandemic by manufacturing an alcohol-free skin and surface sanitizer called Clean Right. And it uh, is a great product which kills SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus in 30 seconds. And uh, that's proven by testing undertaken at Cardiff University but with the Kilkenny City Centre Task Force they're helping businesses uh, prepare for uh, reopening hopefully which will come on the 1st of December with a uh, back to business sanitation pack which includes a foot dispenser, a tabletop dispenser and two litres of clean right and a 500ml atomizer spray bottle all free of charge for city centre businesses and they can be collected from CF Pharma in the Hebron Road Industrial Estate between 12 and 3pm daily between the 24th and 26th of November and if you have any if you want any further information contact sales at cfpharma.ie and uh, a really great um, initiative there and uh, congratulations to everyone involved and Lil Rowe who is the sales and marketing manager with CF Pharma uh, said that it the company wants to do its bit to see the city centre come back to uh, be a hive of activity as it's always been. Um, it's just uh, nine, eight and a half minutes away from uh, 10 o'clock uh, this morning. So I'm just going to take a quick break and we will then uh, return to you and we will uh, talk about the Kilkenny Business Awards. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. 
Now, we're all living in very challenging times, but during the week I had the very pleasant task and a real pleasure of hosting a special bottom line business special, uh, honouring two great local business people as part of the Kilkenny Chamber Business Awards 2020. And both spoke inspiringly about overcoming adversity and keeping going when the going gets tough. Kitty Donoghue is a woman who, with her husband Ned, started a horse sales business in the 1960s in Goresbridge in County Kilkenny. In the late 1970s, with nine children and a month away from giving birth to her tenth child, Ned Donoghue, her husband, died suddenly. Widowed and about to give birth to her tenth child in what was very much a man's world in the 1970s and with unbelievable challenges ahead and more tragedy to come when one of her sons died aged 10, somehow Kitty guided her family and their business forward. She was awarded during the week with the Lifetime Achievements Award by Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce. When we spoke I asked Kitty what advice she'd give to people facing difficulty. One thing is you have to try like I mean Ned could have given up when he was getting all this um, talk well there's no way you can do it and I even remember saying to Uncle Jack well look I said I'm not going to stop Ned or advise him and I said sure he can try anyway all he can do is fail. But you could have given up yourself yeah, but as I say, I didn't have an option. I felt that I didn't have an option. But now we'll have to, have to remember that the horses are nothing like they are today. I mean, sure, like we maybe we'd have 30 horses, maybe 40 horses. You know, now we could have like, we, our September sales, we used to have over a thousand horses, six days. Now, Ned had started that before he died, you know. And we have, what we had then, special sales. And would you believe it, the first one we had, Ned was dead. It was when I was having Jim in, in Kilkenny. And I remember Martin and one of the lads that was working here came in with me. And and I said, how was the sale? And they said, oh, it was marvellous. But it wasn't because people didn't know what was going you know, whether it was on or This not. was after the death of Ned. Yeah. When you, you were expecting, uh, when uh, when he died. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that must have been. Born a month after. Mm. Well. We're in the COVID times at the moment, and obviously uh, you, you're, no you're no horse sales, but you've done a bit online. Are you confident about the future? Well, I am, because all of my children... They're all, thank God, they all are okay. They're all okay, every one of them, you know. And I'm sure their children will be okay as well. And, I mean, it's not a bother on me. I'm sitting here. Kitty Donoghue, a really inspiring woman, who brings to mind the wise words of Winston Churchill, who said, if you're going through hell, keep going. That's about all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Thank you to all my guests, Lily Holmes, Dennis Casey, Katrina Cullen. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email thebottomline at caseylaura96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line, just search for The Bottom Line, Casey Laura, on any of your platforms. And indeed, if you'd like to listen 
listen back to the Bottom Line Business Awards special, you'll find that there also. I'm going to leave you with the words of Bobby Kerr, winner this week of the President's Award from Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce for his contribution to the place of his birth and for his positive attitude towards business and life. When we spoke during the week, I asked Bobby how he felt about the future in these difficult business days. Good morning. You know, businesses find a way. There's a resilience within, particularly Irish business, to find different... And if you look at things like, you know, restaurants that have reinvented themselves in the last couple of months, you know, and got into takeout and, you know, boxes delivered just to keep the lights on, just to stay, just to survive. And that's what really... If they can do that, and you know, till we get to the other side, which I think is only months away, you know, business will survive. But there's also going to be opportunities that comes out of the chaos that we have now. And you're already, you're already starting to see it. I, I was in a shop today here in Dublin, Lots and Co. And they've opened a second shop in Clontarf last week. And the queue was literally around the corner, down the street. This is today. And I'm saying, what are these guys doing? And they're opening up in a suburban neighbourhood with a market type of... And, and the guy was telling me, it's like, it's retail, it's catering, it's hospitality, all combined for today and for the way uh, consumers act today. So business will change, and it'll, some, unfortunately, won't survive. But I think, you know, that's one of the things, particularly with small business, it's good at rolling with the punches. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small.